Hey everyone, I'm Jordy, the Bible School and Tech Director here, and welcome or welcome back to Impact Life Church's online experience. After the message, please take a moment to like or subscribe, but most importantly, we hope that this message inspires you to impact this generation for Jesus. Praise God. Isn't God good? Man, I'm excited. We can just carry on worshiping. That's powerful. Powerful, praise God. So my name is Ashley Terrades, and um, as you notice, I'm not a Colorado native or a Canadian. I'm um, from out east, way east. So me, me and Carly are actually um, from England. We moved to America, 11. We got an English person here? Come on. So um, praise the Lord. So anyway, I've got to be careful what I say about England and America. So we, uh, we moved to America 11 years ago, and, um, and now we travel full-time. We have our own ministry called Terrades Ministries, and our ministry is empowering believers in the promises of God. And that's one reason why we love this church, because um, what we see in this church, they're empowering believers, praise God. They're actually equipping people, and, um, you know, the, the, the lost get saved, the saved get equipped, established, established. close, <laughs> and the established get going. And that's really what the body of Christ is about. It's not about just having a bless me club. It's, um, it's about getting here, getting blessed, and then going out, praise God, and changing the world. And I know that impact is having an impact on the world, praise God. So I want to thank Pastors Joel and Jamie for having me. It's a great pleasure to be here, praise God. I met Joel at a conference, and, you know, I just loved him the minute because I, I, I knew he's humble, and I just knew that his, uh, his spirit, praise God, is, is uh, we're connected. It's awesome. So thanks for having me. I'm, I'm uh, honored to be here, praise God, and um, honored to have some time with you. So hopefully you can understand me. Often I have trouble, people say... I was in, where was I the other day? Georgia or somewhere. And this lady came up to me and she went, Ashley, I can't understand a word you said. Do you speak English? I was like, anyone from Georgia here? Maybe I'll get in trouble. And we do love Canada. In fact, we've only ever been, we've been many times to minister in Canada, but we've only ever been to Ontario. So now I understand this is real Canada. Is that right? Is this right? Come on. Is this this, Is that... Maybe that's fighting talk. Is that fighting talk? So I've got to be careful. But I have to say, we went to Banff yesterday, and you got some pretty mountains. I have to say, you got some pretty mountains, so, so we're blessed to be here, praise God. Uh, a couple of things I just want to mention real quick. Um, we have books, and here's what I want to do. Um, we have a product table out there, my assistant's out there. If you want extra resources, there's a special, they're lower price and everything when we're on the road. So there's stuff out there if you want to get more resources about what we teach on. But uh, I want to give you a couple of things. Is that okay? To, like, for everyone, not just one copy. Um, these are the pastors. These are the only copies I've got. They're like, we could auction these off. That's what we could do. We could do an auction. Like, do I hear 10, 20? We'd give it to the church, obviously. But anyway, so, but um, this is my book on, I wrote a book on finances and about how to prosper God's way. There's a lot of misunderstanding, and I'm going to teach about some of that today. There's a lot of misunderstanding in the body of Christ about what it means to truly increase and prosper God's way. A lot of misunderstanding. We're going to uncover some of that today. But this book is about that. And uh, my friend Andrew Womack read it. He liked it. He did the foreword. So, so that blessed me. So this book here is my book. And then Carly's book is on healing. It's on miracles. It's called Miracles Made Easy. So our daughter, Hannah Terrades, she was when she was uh, three years old, she was given two weeks to live. And um, we have two older uh, children. We have uh, three children together, two boys and a girl. And um, she was uh, three years old. She was the size of a nine-month-old baby. Um, pretty much incapacitated, and they gave her two weeks to live. And then someone told us the true gospel. Come on, y'all. Then someone told me that God was good. See, we were born again. We loved God. We believed God could heal, but we didn't really understand faith. We didn't understand the true gospel. We didn't understand the finished works of the cross. And when someone told us the true gospel and the power of the true gospel, we took her to a conference. She was prayed for, and she was miraculously healed. That was in uh, 2006. 
We took it back to the doctors. They kept checking her. They didn't believe it. You know, I love doctors. I'm not mad at any doctors. And, um, but they didn't believe that she was healed, so they kept checking her. And after six months of checking her over, they finally said, we've tried, but we can't find one thing yes. wrong with you. You are 100% well. Amen. Praise God. So that was, now she's 16. Amen. Now she's 16. She's learning to drive. I'm teaching her to drive, so she's really improved my prayer life. But she's... <laughs> If you teach teenagers how to drive, it will improve your prayer life. But she's 100% well and healthy, not one thing wrong for praise God. So God is good. And, you know, um, also my wife was healed of grand mal seizure epilepsy. She used to be a, uh, an epileptic that she couldn't be left on her own with the kids. She couldn't uh, drive a car. She couldn't have a driver's license. I tell people she has a license now. I'm not sure she can drive a car or not. But anyway, so she, she was healed. She was healed, um, I know, I get in trouble with that one. I get, you wait afterwards, I'll get in trouble. She was, she was healed of grand mal seizure epilepsy. We're talking about 11 medications, completely healed, been seizure-free, not one seizure, not one piece of medication, not one problem at all for 13 years, 14 years. 14 years, praise God. So healing is real, praise God. It's God's will for you to be well. God is a God who loves to heal. And you watch, you watch Jesus, who is the perfect representation of God the Father, walk the earth, and wherever Jesus went, Jesus said to Philip, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And everywhere Jesus went, he healed, praise God. And he didn't put sickness on anyone. He healed people, praise God. So it's God's will for you to be well. So anyway, these two books, if you go to this website, it's a secret link. It's teradesministries.com. So teradesministries.com. You have to spell that, I guess. T-E, maybe, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. T-E-R-R-A-D-E-Z, teradesministries.com. And then you have to do this forward slash book, B-O-O-K, book. And that will give you these books completely free, 100% free of charge, no strings attached, give them to you free of charge. So I just want to leave them with you. You can go ahead and get those, teradesministries.com forward slash book. And um, I'd love to give those as our gift to you, praise God. So God's so good. Man, we got, I'll tell you, the worship, how many enjoyed the worship this morning? It's awesome, praise God. Thank you, worship leaders. I don't know where they're at. They're probably drinking coffee out the back somewhere, right? Always, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I love you, worship leaders. I've got lots of friends who are worship leaders. I always give them a hard time. I'm like, seriously, you're like, you just go and leave me. Did you enjoy my message? I don't know. I was at the back drinking coffee. Uh, thank you. You know, anyway, I love, I love the worship here. It's powerful, praise God. You've got a great church. I love your building. I love everything about this church so far. It's awesome, praise God. So if this is your home church, let me congratulate you. Congratulations. You go to a great church. And this is not the norm. So enjoy this church. Now, it's not a perfect church. You know why? Because you're here. Okay? <laughs> so it's not a perfect church. So if you find something, if you want to find something wrong in this church, I'm sure Pastors Joe and Jamie will amen me. You'll find something wrong in this church, amen, yeah. Like, like, but if you give thanks for this church, I'm telling you, this church is awesome, praise God. They're teaching you the truth. I've, lift, I've been listening to Pastor Joel's messages online. He's teaching you the truth. This is a powerful place to be. So give thanks to God if this is your home church. Amen, amen, praise God. And honor your pastors for that. It's praise God. It's a sacrifice to do this. And then also, if you're visiting today, I know I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because you're not meant to do that anymore. Don't ask for visitors to put their hands up. It embarrasses them. Do you remember the old days? We say, if you're a guest here, stand up. Where are you from, sir? And all these, just trying to hide. I was just first time visiting. They get me to stand up. I'm not going back there again. That's it. So I won't do that. But I know there's a lot of guests here, a lot of visitors here. So if you're visiting here today, then um, praise God, this could be your home church. This is a great church. So I tell people, a church alive is worth the drive. Now, I'm not telling you to leave your church. I'm just saying, if you don't go to a church, if you, then this is a great church. I'm just saying. So anyway, I'm leaving town, so I can say what I want. It's a great church. <laughs> a church alive is worth the drive. We have people come two or three hours one way to church every week. 
So, you know, if you've, anyway, the church alive is worth the drive, praise God. This is a great church. I'll say all that because I get, I get in trouble. Well, we've got a good church down the road. I'm sure you have, but I'm not at your church. So I'm going to endorse this church and I love this church, praise God. So if you're listening online, I know these messages get put on podcasts and YouTube and all these places. If you're listening online, then Impact Life Church and uh, Red Deer, check it out, praise God. Check it out. Amen. So anyway, let's get into the message before I get into too much trouble. Amen. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. You're going to take my words today. And Lord, we have an open heart to you today. We have open ears, Lord. Lord, we want to hear your word. We want to hear your heart, Lord, today. And I thank you, Father God, that we come to you today with, a, with an attitude of, of, of receiving, with an attitude of, of hearing your heart, what you have to say to us. And Lord, I thank you. You have a message for us. You have a message for this church, and you have a message for us individually. And Lord, we open ourselves up to your word today, Lord, and we receive it with gladness. Thank you, Lord, for being here with us. Thank you for never leaving us. Thank you for Impact Church. Thank you for what you're doing in, in this nation. And Lord, we love you, Lord, and we thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen? Praise God. So if you've got your Bibles, um, we're going to go through a few verses today. I don't know if you're a, Who likes electronic Bibles? Who uses electronic Bibles here? Okay. Who uses paper Bibles? I love the, the electronic Bible people. They play, paper Bibles... Okay, man, we're still outnumbered. Come on, electronic people. We've got to, we've got to do this thing. Uh, anyway, I use an iPad, and my wife uses a, a paper Bible. She gets on me. But I'm going to flick through some, some verses. But let's just start here. Jeremiah 29, 11. We know this. Jeremiah 29, 11. I'll read it to you. This is um, in one translation. It's not my favorite translation, but in one translation, it puts it this way. It says, um, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. This is the Lord looking at you individually, your life. And he says, I know the plans I have for you. These are the thoughts I think towards you. Okay, look what it says here. It says, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. The, uh, the New King James, which is my uh, go-to Bible, if you like, it says to give you a future and a hope, thoughts of peace and not of evil. And that word peace, you can look it up. It talks about prosperity, healing, wholeness, praise God. God has, when he sees you, he has plans for you to prosper you in every area. He only has good plans for you. God is a good God, and he has good plans for you. And, um, you know, I've been enjoying Pastor Joel's series on roots uh, a little while back, and he was teaching the balance of grace and faith. And I'm saying it's such an important balance because if we go out here by faith, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to confess, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to, this is what I used to do. I'm going to move the arm of God. God's arm's already moved. He's made up his mind about you. His plans for you are all good. He loves you, and he's provided everything you need, praise God. So then we can go too far over, and we say, well, everything's case or ass or everything's, everything's just going to work out. It's going to be great. And then we don't experience victory in our life, and we think, well, what's, why isn't God, why aren't I experiencing victory? You said you provided it at the cross. You said that, you know, Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, you, you, you did everything for me, so why aren't I seeing it? That's because we're not appropriating it by faith. So God's part by grace, Praise God. He's already done everything. He's provided everything. And we could go through this. He's provided your righteousness. He took your sin, your shortcomings, your sin, and he gave you his righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Thank you, Pastor. <laughs> um, he, took your, he took your sickness. He took your disease. He took your pain. He took your sickness. 1 Peter 2, 24. He took that. And by his stripes, we are healed, right? And he gave you his health and healing. Well, today we're going to talk about provision. We're going to talk about how it's God's will for you to increase. It's God's will for you to, have, to, to provide for you. God wants to provide for you. And in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, it says, He became poor, just like he became sin and he, he took on sickness. He became poor so that we, through his poverty, might become rich. And I'm telling you, if we don't understand this, we're going to be, we're going to be a church fighting with one arm. I'm telling you, God wants us 
to be prosperous. God wants us to. And when I say prosperous, people get upset at me. They go, oh, you're one of those American prosperity teachers. In fact, I had a great compliment the other day. It was in South Africa. We do ministry all over. We, have, we actually have offices in Africa. So we have offices in Colorado Springs, and then we have offices in Africa, and we have offices in the UK, Europe. And we have a television program that goes twice a day, daily, all over Africa, all over Europe, all over America. So we have offices there. It's quite funny. We didn't know what we were doing. Can I just be honest with you? So we didn't have a clue. So we got this television contract that was really good, and it like goes like 250 million homes. So we signed it, and off we went on daily television. Then we're like... People like are phoning us, wanting things. People like want. So we had to. What are we gonna do? So anyway, God was very gracious. But after two and a half years, we have offices and a, and a phone center and everything set up in Colorado, in in South Africa, and in Europe. Praise God to cope with all the response. And we have testimonies all the time of people getting born again, getting set free, getting healed. Praise God. It's so much. It's so much beyond me and my wife that we just laugh because it's like. We're like, we're so over our heads. <laughs> it's like, it's like, sometimes people say to us, it's all Jesus, you know that. So listen, I really know that, like without a doubt. It's all Jesus, without a doubt. So anyway, why, did I get, why was I talking about that? There's a reason why. There was a reason. Oh, so I was in South Africa, and they said, they said, actually, we don't want to alarm you, but you have some protesters. I said, protesters? This is awesome. Like, I must be a big deal if I have protesters. Turned out to be like two guys on Facebook. That was it. It wasn't... It wasn't as spectacular. I was expecting like, you know, placards and all this and a big deal. It wasn't. It was just two guys on Facebook. But he said they told me, they criticized me for having an American prosperity teacher in my church. So I said, let me fix it, Pastor. It'll be fine. So I got up there and I said, first of all, you can tell by my accent, I ain't from Texas. I'm not, I'm not in the prosperity. So, so first of all, let me kill that myth. I'm from England. I'm not from America. I said, and second of all, the prosperity gospel's a lie. He went quiet like this. <laughs> the pastor was like, no. I said, there's no such thing as a prosperity gospel. There's the gospel, and one of the side effects is your provision, your prosperity. Just like healing, just like righteousness, it's the gospel. If anyone teaches you a prosperity gospel, see what happens is sometimes we can get in the ditch either way, and we can end up getting so focused on prosperity, and I've been, it's all about me and mine, and getting my newer car and my bigger house, and I said this the other day, I got myself in trouble. Why am I telling it again? Because now I'm getting myself in trouble a second time. But I was going for it the other day at church. I was really going for it. I said, it's not about a bigger TV and a bigger house and a bigger car or a bigger wife. And I was like, oh, I was like, I was like, now my wife, my wife Carly is little bitty. So I was like, and as I said, I was like, maybe no one noticed. And I was like, oh no, they noticed. I'm in trouble. But it's not about getting a bigger house, bigger car. When we make prosperity about us, it becomes self-centered. It's not about, I'm saying it's the gospel and God's will for us is to prosper so that we can establish his covenant. In fact, Deuteronomy 8.18, if we went to Deuteronomy 8.18, it says, for you know, uh, you shall remember the Lord your God. This is Deuteronomy 8.18. For it's he who gives you, this is us, the power to get wealth. Now, why does he give us the power to get wealth? It says it's to establish his covenant. Okay, God, it takes money to spread the gospel. It takes money to run a church. It takes money to put television programs out there. It costs money to fly around the world. I could not go into the airport and give, you know, American Airlines a hug. They want my money to get here, okay? It's like, it's how it works. And when we use money, when we see money as a tool, when we see money as a tool for the gospel, it's powerful. We can do stuff. Like the Good Samaritan wouldn't have been in the Bible if he didn't have money, I mean, he, he, he picked up the guy, put him in the, nowadays it would be like, you know, put him in his car, drove him to a hotel, gave him the credit, swiped his credit card and said, I'll pay for everything he needs. You need money to do that. Now, you can help people without money, but I'm telling you, when you have money, you can help more people more effectively and you can spread the gospel more, praise God. So it's really about, it's not about us. Now, here's the good news. God loves us. 
He's our husbandman. He's going to look after us better than we can look after us. So we have to worry about that. But really, the focus needs to be on God's kingdom. You know, um, what was it? Wow, 12, 13 years ago, we went to Bible school. And um, we left, I left my full-time business at one part of England. And we moved to the other end of the country. It was a big deal. And we moved to the other end of the country. It was only actually 200 miles. But the English don't travel. They, we just don't travel. It's like, if you travel more than an hour, you're going to stay the night. It's going to be a big old deal. So... <laughs> No, I'm dead serious. I mean, I mean, they were like hugging my neck. We'll never see you again. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like two and a half hours, three hours up the road. And it was a big deal. So we left my business. We moved out to the other end of the country to come to Bible school. And uh, we went to Bible school there. And I remember thinking, well, I'm giving up my full-time employment. I'm gonna, me and my wife are both going to go to Bible schools. So that's two full-time tuitions. And then we had three of uh, the kids were all in um, uh, primary school then. Did you say primary school or elementary? Elementary, okay. So the, the, our three kids in elementary. And... Um, I had to pay for them to go to a Christian school because the schools were pretty rough where it was. And anyway, so I had five tuitions to pay and no income. So I was thinking, well, maybe I could cut my expenses way down. Now, there's nothing wrong with cutting your expenses down. It's good to do that. But I got into like poverty mindset. I'm going to cut my expenses down. I'm going to get like a two-room apartment. And I'm going to push all the kids in one room, me and Kylie in another room. I'm going to get the cheapest, the cheapest thing. You know when you search for something and you click the price and make sure it's like cheapest first? I'm going to get the cheapest thing I can possibly first. And I was looking at these houses, and these were dumps. I mean, they were terrible. It was like, oh. So anyway, as I'm doing that, the Lord spoke to me clearly. And he said, you're being selfish. He said, all you're thinking about is you and your needs. He said, what about kingdom needs? He said, what about my needs? I said, Lord, you have no needs. You own the cat on a thousand hills. You, I mean, you, everything, the, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He said, yeah, but I have kingdom needs. I have things for you to do in the kingdom. He said, why don't you lift your eyes a bit and start looking at kingdom needs? So I was like, yes, sir. And at about the same time, the Lord spoke to my wife as well. Next thing we know, we're looking at this house. That it was a supernatural deal the way it came out. But there was this big house. It was a big farmhouse. It was 600 years old, been renovated. It was owned by the Lord of Worley. And it had these, and it had surrounded by farmer's fields. And it had these big electric gates. And um, we, I mean, we didn't plan it, but we rented it for two years. And what happened was, I didn't know this, but because of the house was so big and the land, I was able to run a business part-time from that house. Um, in fact, one of the, the local pastors I was going to church, he said, I took him back to the house, and as I was driving there, he said, I remember my days in Bible school. He said, we ate, we ate rice and beans. He said, I'm, I'm sorry you're suffering. I said, yeah, pastor. I said, he said, you know, so I pulled up, and I pressed the remote, and the big gates opened. He looked at me. He said, do you live here? I said, I'm only renting it. I'm not buying it. I'm only renting it. Drove up the driveway. He said, what is this place? I said, it was God. Like, we had to have backslidden on God not to have got this place. So we had it for two years. I ran a business from there. And guess what, you all? I made and gave, we gave away more money those two years at Bible school when I was working like two hours a day because we put the kingdom first. You know, Matthew 6, 33. We put the kingdom needs first. And that house, we was able to minister to people. It had extra bedrooms that people could come in. We could minister to them. We used it for ministry. We used it for business. It was a God deal. So when we put God first, God will look after us better than we can look after us, praise God. So uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 9 and, and 8 really, really say this so great. 2 Corinthians 9 and 8. You know, I love 2 Corinthians and, and the chapters 8 and chapters 9. However you slice it, is that Paul is talking about finances. And Paul's the apostle of grace, right? We like Paul. We all like Paul, yeah? He's talking, about, he's talking about finances. And these two chapters, you can't get away from it. They're great chapters to just read through. He's talking about money. He's talking about offerings. He's talking about stewardship. And here in 2 Corinthians 9 and 8, he says, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always have in all sufficiency in all things. Now, to me, that's a lot of all, right? That's all sufficiency. That means all your needs met all the time. This should be 
where we live in is the body of Christ. Now, no condemnation. We've had times where, and when we started out, we were youth pastors. We had no money. I mean, we, we couldn't pay attention. We were so poor. It was, it was bad. Like, we would, I, I drove, my cars that I drove were so bad, I'd like park them around the corner and then walk. And people would say, how'd you get? I'd lie. I got the bus. Because <laughs> I didn't want to show my car. I mean, it was that bad. Smoke and everything. So we've lived... This is no condemnation, but this should be, this is God's plan for us right here. This should be, he wants to supply all our needs all the time. And then look at this, the next part. You'll have an abundance for every good work. So it's not just about our needs being met. It's about having an abundance for every good work. It's about having more than enough. It's about having increase. It's about prospering God's way. And I'm telling you, it's the, it's the will of God for us to prosper. And it doesn't matter. This is not an American thing. This is not a Canadian thing. This is not an English thing. I've seen this work. I've seen people take the word of God and believe it, praise God. I'm going to give you some practical steps we can do. But I'm telling you, I've seen this. Well, I've got a friend in Zimbabwe, and he grew up in Zimbabwe, and he showed me a picture of his house. It was a shack. I mean, literally, tin roof shack. He, he, it was dirt floors, two rooms, dirt floor. And he shared it with all his siblings, and he had to sleep under the kitchen table. That was his bedroom under the kitchen table. This is how he grew up. And he had a dream. He looked across, and the neighbor, he said, the neighbor was right there. I mean, the shacks all joined together. And his neighbor had a bike, a push bike, bicycle. And he said, God, one day I'd like to own a push bike. And this is when he was like, you know, six, seven years old. One day I'd like to own a push bike. I mean, this is the poverty we're talking about. No shoes, dirt floors. Well, he got hold of the word of God. And he said, you know what? If this works for Abraham... If this works for King David, this works. This will work anywhere. The Word of God is no respecter of country. The Word of God is no respecter of economy. The Word of God is not even a respecter of people. The Word of God is a respecter of faith, our response to it. And it's whosoever. It's a beautiful thing. It's whosoever. I don't care your education. I don't care where you've been. Where you, it's whosoever. Whosoever will believe the Word of God can see these results. He started believing the Word of God. And you know what he's doing now? Now he has a network of churches. He's on TBN uh, daily, uh, weekly, praise God, and he's oh, in the whole of Africa. He lives, he's moved now into South Africa. He's got a beautiful house, beautiful cars, great church building, praise God, family, and he's prospering, and he's bringing people out of poverty, praise God, and it's, and it's powerful when you, when you put this. So this, this will apply, this will work anywhere you, you, uh, you, you put it, praise God. It's the word of God, it works. I've seen this work. I've been in prisons and done prison ministry and seen prisoners prosper. They're not even allowed money in prison. Work that out. And they're prospering in prison because they're putting these, that'll mess with your theology, because they're, uh, they're putting this word of God to work, praise God. So if you're making points, I'm not very good at points. I'm sorry, Pastor. I'm like, you know, point one, point two, they'll start with P and all that. I've tried. It doesn't really work for me. I'm sorry. But anyway, if you are taking notes, the first thing you've got to understand is it's God's will for you to increase. It's God's will for you to prosper. And if you don't like that, you don't have to sign up for it. Don't worry, it won't happen to you. Okay? <laughs> but it's God's will for you to prosper. Now, it's not the most important thing. In fact, in, I believe it's Luke 16, Jesus said it's the least thing. But it's important because it's really going to help him establish his covenant. It's really going to help you establish his kingdom. And it's going to be able to help you reach more people, praise God. And wherever you're at now financially, really, it's more to do with what you believe than where you're at. See, your circumstances will change when your believing changes. Your circumstances will have to change when your believing changes. Whatever happens, you're basically you're living out what you're believing. So when we start believing differently, our circumstances will start changing, praise God. The first thing is God's will for you is increase. The second thing is it's not selfish. It's not selfish to believe God for increase. In fact, you could say it's selfish to not believe God for increase because if you're not believing God for increase, you believe it's just all about you and your needs getting met. And I was there. Well, Lord, just give me enough. I don't want to be one of those greedy, you know, I just, just give me enough just for me. And the Lord was like, how much is enough then? The Lord also challenged me with this. He said, it's too late for you. He said, this is when I was in England. He said, you're English. He said, you're already filthy, stinking rich. 
you know you're Canadian? You're already filthy stinking rich. You're like the richer than five, the, you're the top 5% richest people in the whole world. So if you don't believe in prospering and increase, it's too late. You're already increasing compared to the rest of the world. So I was like, oh, Lord, this is challenging. So he said, what are you going to believe? What's too much? What's not enough? We can discuss all this, but the bottom line is this. It's not when you believe God for extra because you want to put it onto the kingdom, when you want to see his kingdom established, when you want to start seeing ministries going out, missionaries going out, we, we have sponsored children, we sponsor missionaries. We're paying for other, other preachers now, which is quite ironic. We're paying for other, paying for other preachers to go out and, and minister. We send them around the world, praise God. We're doing things using the money we have as a tool, praise God, for God's kingdom. So increases God's will, and it's not selfish. Financial provision has already been provided for you. God already set it up, so he's provided for you. So I tell people there's two types of Christians, really. There's those who are born again and blessed and believe it, and there's those who are born again and blessed and don't believe it. Let me say that again for those that are slower there. There's those who are born again and blessed and believe it, and there's those who are born again, blessed and don't believe it. When you got born again, praise God, when you, when you gave your life to Jesus, whatever terminology you use, you got everything, praise God. In Christ, you got everything. You got the whole deal. You got the whole package. You got everything you need, praise God, for life and godliness. And part of that, not only is your righteousness, your peace of mind, your, your uh, physical healing, but it's also your finances, your prosperity, your provision has already been paid for you, praise God. Jesus already experienced poverty so that we could experience riches. We can take on his riches because he, he took on our poverty. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, he had nothing to his name. He experienced true poverty. He had nothing. Not even, not even drink, not, not, no clothes, nothing. He experienced poverty. Now, people argue, well, Ashley, I think, I think Jesus was poor all his life, and really, that's how we should live. We should live poor all our life. So, really, it's not that big a deal either way because he was rich in heaven. So, compared to heaven, Jesus came down and became poor. But I actually believe he had money while he was on earth as well because he traveled. You had to have money to travel. He had a treasurer. and not, You had to have money to have a treasurer, right? be a bit pointless having a treasure without money. What should I do today, boss? I don't know. We've got no money. Well, and then he had a treasurer that stole from him. So if you have a treasurer that stole from you, you better have more than like $10 in the, in the treasury. Otherwise, you're going to know that he's stealing from you. And then people say things like this. Well, actually, Jesus didn't even have enough money. He didn't even have his own tomb. He had to borrow Joseph's tomb. He didn't even have his own tomb. He was poor. And I said, that wasn't poverty. That was actually good stewardship. If you think about it, if you're only going to use a tomb for three days, why buy it? I mean, that's a bad investment. And they don't do like VRBO or air tomb and tomb. You can't get a rental tomb. No one's renting tombs nowadays. So he just borrowed one. So sometimes we have, well, he has nowhere to lay his head. Well, actually, we travel full time all the time, like too much. Like we got our uh, American Airlines status in January. I mean, that's like, it's like, sometimes we're in airports. We get stuck. We travel. We have nowhere to lay our head. Does that mean we're poor? No, it just means we're traveling. Jesus was a traveling minister. So a lot of these things that we come across that Jesus didn't have any money and all this, they fought for his clothes. His clothes were so nice. At the end, they actually drew lots and fought for his clothes. So I believe Jesus had money. They bought him gold and uh, frankincense and myrrh, a lot of money when he was a kid. So I believe Jesus had money. But the fact is this, we can all agree on this. When he died, he experienced poverty. And he experienced that poverty so we can experience his riches, his provision, his wealth, praise God. God is a supplier. He's a provider, praise God. And he wants to give us these things. And sometimes because of our bad, because we've seen it abused, sometimes we shy away from it. I know a lot of people, they either get into the ditch of, like I said, either the ditch of it's greed, it's all about them, or the ditch where they don't want anything to do with it because they've seen it abused. 
You know, iPads first come out, I heard this thing. I love my iPad. I'm not an Apple endorser, but anyway. When iPads first come out, there was this woman who bought her, like, 70-year-old father an iPad, and she came to visit him, said, how do you like my Christmas present, Dad? And he's chopping carrots on it. Because it's great. <laughs> Put it in the dishwasher. She was like, $500 chopping board right there. If you don't understand the purpose of something, it's going to get abused. Okay, and if we don't understand the purpose of prosperity, it's, it's gonna get, we're either going to get abused or we're going to shy away from it because we've seen it abused. And I'm sure we've seen it abused. I'm sure we've seen, you know, we've been to places where they said, to be poor is, is holy, or, you know, or if you haven't got this amount of riches, then you're not godly. The abuse is either way. We need to realize the purpose of prosperity is God's will for us, praise God, and start walking in it. We need the body of Christ to start waking up and saying, you know what? The wealth of the wicked is stored for the righteous. We need to take, really, whoever controls the purse strings of a town has the loudest voice. And I want Impact Church to be a loud voice in this town. I want Impact Church. I want people to talk about Impact Church throughout Red Deer and throughout Alberta and say, that's that church. That's that church, those rich people. But you know what? They'll come to you and they need help. I've, I've, we go to some churches where the banks have now started, I've been praying for this, and they've actually started going to them and saying, uh, who are you uh, saving your money with? Because we could give you better rates. They're actually asking for the church's money. Banks are asking for the church's money. That's how it should be. I'm telling you, I'm excited to see churches prosper. I'm excited to see the body of Christ prosper because we can help more people and get more done, praise God. So let's stop believing the lie that it's, you know, in some way it's greedy and stuff. Sure, there's, there's going to be some people that, that abuse it, but just because there's a few doesn't mean we throw the baby out of the bathwater. Amen? We need to get on this thing, praise God. So a few things here, practical things we can do to appropriate. We already, we already agree it's God's will. We agreed it's not selfish. So let's look at some practical things here. Increase prosperity is not automatic. We have our part to play. And usually I spend time teaching this, but um, because Pastor Joel has already taught this so well, I don't have to. Our part is by faith, right, to appropriate what God's already done. We're not making God do anything. We're not even trying to get something, really, because we've already got it. We're just appropriating what we've already got. And that's the good news. In fact, it's almost too good to be true. Hang on, Ashley. You're telling me I've already got this thing. All I've got to do is believe that I've got it and I'll see it activated? Yes. That's almost too good to be true. That's the gospel. Praise God. That's the gospel. So it's already ours. It's our point. I liken it a little bit to a Christmas present. You know, we buy our kids Christmas presents. Now we live in America. What happens is most of our family send us Amazon packages, and they don't pay for the wrapping. Sorry if you're watching. Some of them do. Praise God. I get in trouble here. Thank you for wrapping the presents. Some of them do. I'm sure some of them gift wrap wasn't an option. That's what it was. But, um, so, th so some of them aren't wrapped, and they just turn up in brown Amazon boxes. So our Christmas looks like a Christmas tree with lots of brown Amazon boxes. And we don't know who they're from or who they're to. So we just open one at a time and then guess. This looks like it's probably for you. And that's probably Uncle that bought you that, that type of present. So that's how it works out. But if we have presents under a tree, they're our presents, right? But if we don't unwrap them, we're not going to get the benefit of them. And I'm telling you, we have our part to play by faith. And uh, sometimes we, really, like, we think, well, if God wanted me prosperous, it just happened. No, it's not automatic. There's things we have to do. You know, in James 1, I believe it's 22, James 1, 22, it says, don't be hearers of the word, but be doers also. In fact, if you hear the word and don't do it, you're deceiving yourself. So the first thing, you've got to hear the word. You've got to hear the word on financial prosperity. You've got to hear the word on these things, a good balanced word on it. We've all heard the, the extreme versions 
Either way, it's time to hear a good balanced word on why the purpose of prosperity, if we don't know the purpose of something, we'll abuse it, the purpose of prosperity and why it's God's will for us to prosper. We need to hear that. And you're hearing the word here at this church, praise God. You're hearing the balance. You're hearing a good word. But then you've got to do. If you don't do, you're deceiving yourself. Oh, great message today, Pastor. And off you go. And whatever he taught you, he taught you on forgiveness. And you off you go. Have you forgiven your brother yet? Oh, no, he's a, he's a no, no good so-and-so. Well, you're hurting yourself. Why don't you do what the word says? You go off here, what are you doing? Well, no, I'm not going to do. I heard the word. It's a good word. I amen. But you've got to actually go and do action. And sometimes the action takes, wait for it, work. I know. It takes an effort. I know, right? People get. I was teaching at a business school the other day, and I had them all there. I said, I've got an idea, guys. This is awesome. When you do this, money comes. And they're all like leaning forward, getting their notepads out. I said, in fact, I've tested this for like 25 years of my life, and every time I've done it, money comes. I mean, guaranteed, they'll get the notebooks out. What is it? I said, it's called work. Just go get a job. And money comes. It's amazing. <laughs> They're like throwing their pens down. That's not funny, actually. I was like, I was half serious. So we have our part to play. We have our part to play. We can't just assume it's automatic. We have our part to play. So don't be, don't be here. In fact, and James 2 puts it this way. It says, faith without works, or you could say faith without corresponding actions, is dead. If you really believe something, it's going to cause you to act. If you really believe that it's God's will for you to prosper, if you truly believe that it's God's will and he's provided prosperity, provision for you, it's going to make you act. If you start seeing yourself that way, it's going to make you act. If you truly believe something, and here's the, the litmus test. If someone says, I believe it, and I test myself with this all the time. If I say, well, I believe that, well, why aren't I acting on it? If you truly believe it, you'd act on it. And again, no condemnation. I'm just saying, when we truly... So if you're not acting on it, we need to go back to the Word because faith comes by hearing, right? And hearing by the Word of God. We need to go back to good teachings about that subject, whatever, whatever area it is, whether it's healing, finances, forgiveness, relationships, whatever it is. Go back to that Word. Go back to good messages about it and keep listening to that over and over. Hearing comes by the Word over and over. Hearing and hearing and hearing. And once you get it down in the inside where you believe it, you know, you start, you start confessing it, you start believing it. What, the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, often we think confession is some sort of, you know, su- you know superstitious thing. I confess, I confess. I've got people that say, you know, I look outside, it looks like it's going to rain. Don't speak it out. That's a negative confession. I'm like, okay, calm down. I'm, All these shoes, my feet are killing me. No, don't say it. So we can get to extremes. Really what confession means, I think, the way I use it is, and I do confess, I have confessions, praise God, I have good confessions. But really, when you believe something, you're going to start confessing that. When you st- and what happens is when you hear someone else say something contrary to what you believe, you're going to confess and actually put that tongue down. Someone says, well, I'm, I'm never going to get ahead. No, you will get ahead. I'm getting ahead. You know, we have uh, how, a lot of how in Colorado Springs. I don't even get how here. We have a lot of how. And the radio ad come on. It said, if you live in Colorado Springs, you can't avoid, avoid hail damage, you know. Ice water coming down. Is that good? Yeah? Hail? Okay. I didn't, I didn't like cuss, like H-E double hockey sticks today. No? Okay. I'm saying H-A-I-L. Frozen, frozen water coming from the sky. Man. Teradez Ministries International here having language barrier problems early on. We need a translator. The English-American in Canada. So, frozen water coming from the sky can damage things. Do you get that here, right? Yeah, okay. In Colorado, we gave like, you know, big old softball-sized, golf-ball-sized house. So this radio ad come out and said, if you live in Colorado, it's impossible for you to avoid hail damage. And I was like, it's possible for me. I'm blessed. 
My house is blessed. My cars are blessed. And that just came out of me. I didn't have to confess it out of fear. It just came out of me. I was like, no, I'm blessed. I'm not going to go by the world's, what the world says. I'm blessed. Guess what? A few weeks later, a big storm came through. My neighbor's one side had to have their roof replaced. Neighbor's the other side had to have the roof replaced. I have a big deductible on my insurance, so I didn't want to get my roof in place. You know what I'm saying? It's like, if it was all the insurance, I would have been fine, but I've got, I have to pay like the first, whatever it is, 10%. So, I'm like, so they inspected my roof. Mr. Terry, we can't find one thing wrong with your roof. I said, but my neighbor's, and he said, yeah, but for some reason, your roof's fine, praise God. So you start believing that stuff, and that's just a silly example, but you start believing that stuff, you will come out of you, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you believe something, you're going to act on it. When you believe something real, you're going to act on it. And I, there's so many things in life that we could apply this to, but if I told you a truth about you, if I said right now, wherever you live, picture your house, if I said right now in your house, you know, there's a million dollars Canadian just under the sofa, someone just put it there, under the sofa, you probably would go back and look under your sofa when you got home, if you believed me. If you didn't believe me, you wouldn't look. In fact, if you went home and didn't look under your sofa, what does that tell me? That tells me you didn't believe me. Just being practical. There is no, well, there might be a million dollars under your sofa. If you have, praise God, then that's awesome. Bring the tithe into the church. <laughs> but, but if you believe something, you're going to act on it, praise God. And, and what, what happens is when we start realizing that this, we'll start acting on it. So what things can we do? What, how can we act on this word? How can we act on what God wants for us? The first thing we have to do is, is make an intentional decision to see ourselves as God sees us. Make an, intention, an intentional decision. Don't just be you know, passive with this. Say, you know what? I'm going to start seeing myself as God sees me. We started off with Jeremiah 29, 11. God sees you. And when he sees you, he has good plans for you. He sees you prosperous. He sees you with a good uh, future. He sees you in hope. He sees these things about you. And how can two agree? How can two walk together unless they agree? So we need to agree how God sees us. And God sees us prosperous. In fact, I think it was, um, I believe it's Genesis 39. It talks about Joseph. And he was sold into slavery. We're talking about on an auction block. On, in, didn't own anything. As poor as you can get. And yet it says the Lord saw him and saw he was a, a successful man. One translation says a prosperous man. Why? Because the Lord was with him and he understood that he was prosperous. Joseph had an attitude on the inside. They said it doesn't matter if you put me down the pit, if you put me in the prison, if you, put me, you, know, if you falsely accuse me in Potiphar's house, the Lord's with me and I'm going to rise to the top. And that's what happened to him because he was intentional about seeing himself as God sees him. I'm telling you today, you're awesome in Christ. You are awesome in Christ in every area, praise God. God has given you so much. In your spirit, was it 1 John 4, 17? You are just like him in this world in your spirit right now. Jesus, your spirit and Jesus' spirit are one. I'm telling you, you are awesome in Christ. If you could see yourself in the spirit instead of in the flesh, you'd be really impressed with yourself. You're awesome. The trouble is we see ourselves in the flesh and we see the soul part of us, you know, our mind and our will and our emotions and feelings. And we think, well, I don't feel very good. I don't feel very blessed. No, in your spirit, you are blessed. In your spirit, you are awesome. You have the same spirit of Jesus, praise God. You, 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 have, you have power. You have so much power in you. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the Word of God. You have so much going for you, praise God. And we need to get to the point where we realize we focus on who we are in the spirit more than who we are in the flesh who we are in our soul realm, praise God. In the spirit, you're awesome. So let's start agreeing with how. Let's start seeing ourselves like that. And that'll change our talk. Don't go around going, well, I'm not like one of those rich people. I'm not like one of those people with money. You don't understand, Ashley. I'm from this background, or I've got this education, or I'm from this family, and no one in my family ever did this or did that. Put that all away. Praise God. You're from the family of God now. How about this one? Well, money doesn't grow on trees. What's money made of? Paper. Where does paper come from? Trees. We've been lied to. Now, no, your paper's plastic, right? You got, yours, yours is a bit different. It's plastic, but a lot of money used to be made of paper, right? 
we've been lied to. Some of these negative confessions, well, I'll never get ahead. Prices keep going up. I can never... I'm ne- Change your confession. Start changing how you see yourself. Start seeing yourself as God sees you. You're prosperous, praise God. The second thing I've got here is put your hand to something. Put your hand to something. You know, uh, I believe it's Deuteronomy 28. It talks about how God blesses the works of our hands. He blesses our storehouses. He blesses the works of our hands. God blesses the works of our hands. But if you don't put your hands to something, you're not giving God anything to work with. We need to put put our hands to something. You know, Pastor was teaching this the other day. Um, was it Zechariah? 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 Somewhere in the Bible. 4.10. Zechariah 4.10. Thank you. Zechariah 4.10. Don't despise small beginnings. Put your hand to something. People say, well, actually, you don't understand. This job opportunity I have, or this situation I have, or this small business I could start in my spare time, it's only going to make X amount of money. It's not really going to pay the bills. Don't worry. That's somewhere to start. Give God something to start with. God loves to take the seemingly small things and make big things out of them, praise God. But he starts in seed form. He starts with the small things. He starts in seed form. And we have to give him something to work with. And so many times we miss it because it's seemingly so small. We say, that can't be it. That's just, that doesn't pay enough. Or that, does, that just doesn't seem glamorous enough or spectacular enough. You know, God is very rarely spectacular. He's actually a humble God. It's amazing when you study this out. He's very rarely spectacular. It's up to us to press into him. It's up to us to push into them opportunities. Now, he's supernatural. And he's a God of abundance, but he's very rarely spectacular. Like, woo, look at this thing over here. He's usually quite humble that we have to choose to believe it. We have to choose to believe it. And God will give us opportunities. So many times God will give you opportunities, small business opportunities. You know, there's things you can do in your own time. When I I was at Bible school, um, I started buying and selling things. I didn't know what I was doing. I I bought something. I sold it for more than I paid for it. Honestly, that's okay. You know to do that. It's okay to make profit. Praise God. It's godly to make profit. If you don't think it's godly to make profit, you can have a problem with God's economy. It's godly to make profit. So I started buying things and sending them on eBay and sending them on Craigslist and things like that. I think you have Gumtree or Kajabi, whatever they have here. I did that stuff and stuff and made money. I was like, I could do it again and again and again. Now, at first, it was just $20, $100, but then it was $500, $1,000, $5,000, $10,000. That was exciting because when I made $10,000, I was able to give 1000 and give 2000 It's exciting. But I started off small, and most businesses start this way anyway. You start off small, but what happens is we despise the small beginning and say, that can't be it, that's, that's, not, that's not big enough. How do you know, every time I look in the Bible of God providing for his people supernaturally, there was some small beginning, something natural. In fact, they had to put their hands to something natural in order for God to put his super to it, to make the supernatural. There's so many examples of this we could look at. You know, the, I think it's Second Kings 4, the widow woman, she had oil, and she said, I've just got this little bit of oil in a jar, that's all I've got, just a little bit of oil. And Elijah said, we could work with this. Start pouring it out. She put her hands to something in the natural. She put faith to it. She got some pots ready. That means she was believing for increase. If she didn't believe it was going to increase, she wouldn't have got those pots out. And she started pouring it, and the oil increased. Her natural decision with God's super made supernatural results. Feeding the 5,000, great example. They brought the loaves and fish to Jesus. One of the disciples said, what are so few among so many? We've got 5,000 men here, and we've got a few loaves and a few fish. This isn't going to work. But you know what happened? Jesus took those things. He, looked, he actually wanted the disciples to do it, but they, they didn't get the picture. He's like, come on, let me show you again. <laughs> so, and he looked into the spiritual. He, looked, he realized, you know, he gave thanks for that. Even though it was just one boy's lunch amongst 5,000 men. That's like me coming up to you and saying, you saying to me, I've got a $200,000 debt. And I say, well, here's $20. Or here's the opportunity to make $20. No, get out of here. I'm, I need, I've got $200,000 to pay off. They had 5,000 people to feed, and they had a few loaves and a few fish. But Jesus gave thanks for those things, put them in his hands, gave thanks to them, and then broke them and gave them out. And guess what happens? They increased. 
They increased. Water into wine, John 2, they had to start off with water pots. The, the catch of fish for the taxes, Peter had to cast a, a, a line in. Can you imagine Peter doing that? Jesus said, go and catch a fish, pay our taxes. Jesus is like, I'm a fisherman. If I go with a line and catch one fish at a time, I'm going to be three weeks by the time I sell these fish to pay your taxes. But he went and put his hand to something, small beginnings. First, guess what happened? Supernatural increase. God is trying to get supernatural increase to us, but often we're missing it because we're looking for the big deal, the big supernatural, the big wow. And that can happen. I don't want to discount that. But most of the time, it happens from a small beginning, a humble beginning. Put your hand to something. Start giving thanks for your job. Start thanking God for your job. Well, actually, you don't understand. My boss, he is like, he is bad news. Start thanking God for him. Start thanking God for him. Are you, are you serious? Yes. Start thanking God for your job. Start thanking God for the opportunity. Start thanking God for what you're doing. If it's your business, whatever it is. If you work for pastor, I'm in trouble now. Is that, is that... Okay. She never talked to me or anything, I promise you. Some of the pastors, for those of you watching online, some of the pastor's staff here are laughing at the fact that I said they may have a bad boss. Just... <laughs> there goes your paywise. No, no, so... Whatever situation you're in, you can find something to thank God for. What about that overtime opportunity? What about that small business you've been thinking of? What about that, you know, doing something on Etsy or eBay or whatever it is? What about starting something? What about our daughter when she was little? She said, Dad, I want to start a dog walking company. She loves dogs. She said, I need this dog leash, and it splits into five leashes, and you can, you can walk five dogs at once. I said, okay, honey. She said, it's $11 on Amazon. Can you buy it for me? And normally I would say, yes, I'll buy it for you. Then I thought, hang on a minute. I said, no, honey, you're going to have to raise $11 to buy that dog leash. And then I went out. I came back a few hours later about a day later, and the kitchen was a mess, and she had $11. She gave me $11. She said, can you go on Amazon now and buy me that dog leash? I said, how did you get that $11? She said, well, she said, I went online and found an organic dog treat recipe. I didn't even know there was such a thing. And these are dogs, people. They eat squirrels and deer poop, and you're making organic dogs? Seriously. Anyway, I'm sorry if you're a dog lover, but organic, really. How's the dog now? I mean, it's, it's gone. So anyway, she baked organic dog treats put them in little Ziploc bags, made her own company, called it Dog Paws or something, went around the neighbors who had dogs in our neighborhood, knocked on the door, sold them for a dollar each, sold 11 of them, came back and gave me $11 to buy the dog leash to walk the dogs. Amen? There's opportunities everywhere is what I'm saying. There is opportunities all around us. And often if we don't believe there are, we won't see them. If you ever have had a new car, you know, um, I'm, I like cars. People say I'm carnal. But if you have a new car, if you have a new car, not necessarily a brand new car, but whatever it is, a, a Ford Explorer or a whatever you have here. And you see, do you notice that you start seeing them around? Oh, my friend's got the same car, my neighbor down the street and someone at work. They've always been there, but now you're looking out for them because you're consciously aware. When you start telling yourself, you know what? I thank you, Lord, opportunities come my way. I thank you, Lord, that increases on me. I thank you, Lord, that everything I touch prospers. I thank you for your word that everything he does will prosper. My, the works of my hands are blessed. I thank you, Lord, that everything I do and put my hand to increases. You start thinking that and, and confessing that and believing that, you'll find opportunities. It's amazing. There's opportunities everywhere to bring increase into your life. God will give you these opportunities. Don't overlook them because they look too small. Well, that's just a little bit of overtime. What's that going to help? Try it. See what happens. It's amazing. This has happened to us over and over. I started, one time I didn't have a job, so I went to a car dealership, and I said, would you hire me? And they said, sure. And in England, Sunday's the biggest day. And I said, no, I can't work Sundays. I go to church. They said, well, you're not going to sell any cars. I said, well, I just go to church on Sundays. I don't want to work Sundays. So I worked every day but Sunday. And then they said, we well, can't work Saturdays either. They gave me the three days in the middle of the week, the worst days. Do you know what I did? I started praying and thanking God for those three days. I said, Lord, I thank you that Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays are great car selling days. And I thank you, Lord, that I'm blessed. And I told the people the truth, which was quite novel. 
They said, is this good on gas? I said, it's terrible on gas. They said, they said, they said, should I get this car? And I looked at it. I said, no, if you're in income, I said, yeah, that's much too big a car. You need a car half this price. I told people the truth. And guess what happened? I started selling cars, selling cars. Then the owners would say, just lie to this person. I said, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to do that. I, don't, I wasn't all, in the name of Jesus, I'm not going to tell a lie. I just, I just said to them, I said, I'm sorry. I just, I'd rather not tell a lie. I was very respectful. Very respectful. And you know what happened? They said, hang on, if he doesn't lie to us, if he doesn't lie to the customers, he's probably not going to lie to us. So they started giving me more responsibility, more responsibility. Three years later, I was in my early 20s. Three years later, I'm running the whole place. Big car, like I've got pay, I'm doing payroll, I'm a key holder, everything. I'm paying myself. They didn't even know. And when I left, they loved me so much, they carried on paying me commission for the cars. That I, saw. I mean, it was an awesome deal, praise God. But why? Because I didn't despise a small beginning. I took on that small beginning, and I, I didn't do it perfectly, but I gave thanks for it. So we can, we can give thanks for small beginnings, and we can watch... Watch the Lord uh, increase that. God increases. He's a God of multiplication, and he loves to multiply things. Give him something to work with. 100% of or zero, what is it? 100% of zero is zero. I'm not a mathematician, but that type of makes sense to me. And then, and then the third thing I want to look at, we're talking about practical ways that we can increase. We're talking about doing the word. We're talking about what does the word say in doing the word. The third thing we can do that God shows us to increase, uh, turn to Proverbs 11.24. Proverbs 11.24. Proverbs 11.24 says, There's one who gives, some translations say scatters, there's one who scatters, yet increases more. There's one who withholds more on his right, yet it leads to poverty. If we want to increase God's way, we have to realize that we have to give to increase. Now, here's one of the problems with this. It doesn't make sense to our natural mind. One of the main reasons we don't give is we don't understand it. And we say, well, this guy, actually, this doesn't make sense. I can't afford to give. You're the very person who can't afford not to give. The widow woman came into the temple. She had two mites, probably about two or three dollars worth in today's value. And she put that in the offering. And Jesus didn't run after her and say, hey, miss, leave the giving to the people with money. You've got nothing. You need, you need your money back. No, Jesus knew the best place for her money was in the offering because she needed increase. She needed a sow seed. She needed increase. So he let her, and I know she's going to be prosperous. Like when I get to heaven, I'm going to have one of those airport signs. You know, Mr. Smith It's going to say, widow woman with two mites. I'm going to walk around heaven and find her because I want to know her testimony. It's going to be a good testimony, praise God. But it doesn't matter what situation you're in. God has set it up so that everyone can give and be a generous giver. And if you're the type of person who says, well, I can't afford to give, you're the very person that needs to give. Every time we've been in financial challenges, you know, just uh, fairly recently, well, under three years ago, we both left full-time salaried positions and manager positions, good positions at another ministry, and we started our own ministry full-time. Now, that'll get your attention. Two managers' salaries at a big ministry to nothing. I was like, okay, Lord, what do I do about my giving? I was like, I don't want to decrease my giving. Now, I tithe to my local church. Now, I said it. I'm going to cause some problems, maybe. But anyway, I'm leaving town, so I'll just tell you. I personally believe in tithing. The reason is, is because it was before the law. It was part of the law, and now it's still good after the law. It's a great place to start. It's not where you finish up, but it's a great place to start, praise God. So we tithed, and if you want to argue with me, it's too late. I'm too convinced already. But anyway, so if you tithe, what you're doing is you're saying, you know, in, in where is it, Genesis 14, Abraham tithed to Melchizedek, and then Genesis 28, Jacob tithed, and both times they were tithing out of thankfulness. They're saying, Lord, you've been so good to us. I want to give you a portion back. I want to give you 10% back. So we tithed. So we were used to tithing. I said, Lord, I don't, want to down, I don't want to decrease my tithe because I'm not getting as big a salary. How do I do this? And the Lord spoke to me so clearly. He said, he said up your giving. In fact, he said four times. Now that'll get your attention. I was like, Lord, you can't be serious. And it, nothing. 
I was like, he's serious. I was like, oh no. I was like, this is terrible. So anyway, <laughs> it had just been real. It took, me about, it took me about three weeks to get over it. And finally, I was like, this is what the Lord's telling us to do. We'll do it. So we started tithing four times our tithe than what we made when we was in the full time. And it was, it was crazy. And guess what happened? Favor, increase. And by the end of that year, it took us a year, but by the end of that year, that faith tithe, now don't run with this and make a doctrine out of it, but I'm just telling you this, that our faith tithe actually caught up with our ministry income. So after a year, the gross ministry income, not us personally, but the ministry income to our ministry, caught up with that tithe of four times the amount, praise God, and then we had to increase that tithe to keep up with it. So I'm telling you, I'm, and then people say to me, well, Ashley, if you teach on the tithe, then where does the tithe belong? Does it belong to the church? Or I'm, I'm here now, I might as well tell, say it. I'm, I, would, I, wasn't gonna, I haven't got tithing in my notes, but now I've said it, I might as well, I might as well camp here for a little bit, make sure I get everyone good. But um, people say, where do you tithe? You know, do you tithe... Local, local churches will say, you know, tithe to the local church. The tithe belongs in the storehouse. And then traveling ministers like me will say, no, tithe where you're fed. You should tithe where you're fed. Do you see the problem with that? I've got a great answer for you. Go to church where you're fed and then tithe to your church. The tithe, in my opinion, doesn't belong anywhere but the church, praise God. And I believe you should be fed by your church. What if I'm not fed by my church? Find a new church. So anyway, <laughs> so anyway, that's my personal opinion. Now, we run off offerings and donations and all that. So you can, you can give me offerings, but I don't want one penny of the money that's meant to be in the tithe in the church. I mean that, seriously. The tithe belongs in the church, and offerings and extra can go to ministries if you're connected with them and you like them and everything else, you believe what they're doing. But the tithe belongs in the church. So we've always tithed to our local church. We've been fed by a local church, and it's been a good deal. So we upped our tithing. Now you say, actually, this doesn't make sense. You needed more money, but you gave more away. It's Proverbs 11.24 principle. There's one who scatters, yet increases more. And it doesn't make sense, but the reason why it doesn't make sense is because when you got born again, you changed address. Everything changed when you got born again. And sometimes as Christians, we miss this. And what happens is we don't realize because everything changed, we still try and live like we're in the world. I've got news for you. You're not in the world anymore. When you got born again, you changed address spiritually. You went from the kingdom of darkness. What was that Colossians 1.13? Kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the son of his love. You, spiritually, you changed address completely. And everything, that's why you're ambassadors here for Christ. That's why you're one spirit of the Lord. That's why you're, you're seated with him in heavenly places. You changed address. And what happens is, is we still try and do our finances like we're living in the world. And what hap- you know, everything in the kingdom of God is opposite. If you want to be first, you've got to be last. If you want to be the greatest leader, you've got to be the greatest servant. If you've got an enemy, you love them. Someone wrongs you, you forgive them. You want wisdom, you're speaking babble. I mean, we could go, go on, right? Everything's reversed in the kingdom of God. It doesn't make sense to our natural mind. And it's the same with finances. You want to get ahead, you've got to give. And you say, I can't understand it. You don't have to understand it to take advantage of it. I go on airplanes all the time. I don't know how they work. Thrust, lift, something about jets, and they go in the air. But I take advantage of it. I don't understand it. You know, we could go, we won't go there, but um, look up Mark 4 in your own time. Mark 4, I believe it's 27. It's talking about the farmer, and he sows seed. He says he goes to bed and sleeps and wakes up during the day. He himself does not know how the seed grows. You don't have to know how it grows. Just do it. Just scatter seed. Go to bed, don't dig up the seed. Did it work yet? You know, you're giving an offering, the next day you go to your mailbox. Have I got a check yet? No, it didn't work. Don't do that, that's digging up your seed. Just trust the system. When you give seed, seed's going to grow, praise God. Unless you don't dig it out. If you dig it out, then you can bypass it. Don't, don't dig up your seeds. So when we give, praise God, money's coming. More increase is coming. It doesn't make sense to our natural mind. It's the opposite of how we think. Jesus put it this way in, in Acts 20, 35. He said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. In Acts 20, 35. And sometimes we don't give because we think God's trying to take from us. I've got news for you. God is not a taker. He's a giver. God is the biggest giver. 
He loves to give. In fact, he doesn't take, he's part of his very nature. He's love, he is good, and he's generous. And he loves to give. You know, John 3.16, he loved the world so much that he gave. God is the biggest giver. So anytime he's asking you to give, it's because he's trying to get more to you. And I'll, uh, I'll wind down with this quick story here. One time we was, I was at my local church, and um, I was there on the front row, and I love my pastor, he's preaching good. And he said, we've got one payment to make on this building before we're debt-free. This was about eight or nine years ago. I thought, wow, that's awesome. I thought, I'd like to be debt-free one day. And the Holy Spirit said to me, we'll make that last payment. I was like, I can do that. So the pastor came off the stage, and I said, Pastor, I said, I want to make the last payment on the church. I want to pay the church building up. I want to make the last payment. He said, come and see me tomorrow. So uh, I went to bed that night, and guess what? I didn't ask him how much it was. <laughs> Couldn't sleep. Cold sweats. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I'd give my word. That was it. I was like, man, you have to get a second job, sell one of the kids. What am I going to do? <laughs> so, so I was really worried. So I went to his office the next day, and he said, it's $3,300 US dollars, you know. So now that, that was eight or nine years. That was a big sacrifice for us. How many of you know? That was a sacrifice for us. But I, and he didn't want to take our money, so you don't have to do that. I said, no, no, God's told me to do it. I want to do it. Now, I wasn't demanding something from God. I wasn't like, but God led me to give this money, and I was putting it into the church. So I wrote the check out. I gave the check to the church. And um, he gave, took that check for me, and he prophesied. He very rarely prophesies like this, but he prophesied over me. He said, Ashley, he said, God is going to give you a house for $330,000. And I was like, I receive it. At the time, I, I mean, at the time he was renting, I was like, I receive it. Praise the Lord. Now, can I be honest with you? I was expecting someone to give me a house. I was like, you know, I was, I was rubbing shoulders with some millionaire people I know. So, uh, trying to help you in For a prayer request, um, would you agree with me that the Lord might give me a $330,000 house? Is that your checkbook I see? And it's like, I'm just being like, that's... But it didn't happen that way. Do you know what happened? We ended up buying this uh, house. It was a HUD house. It needed fixing up. We fixed it up. Cut a long story short. We got this house. We had a mortgage on it. And then um, a few years later, a uh, supernatural story. This, this person flew from the other end of the world, came and met me, never heard of me, met me. God told them to come and meet me, did this business deal with me, and gave me enough money in that one business deal to completely pay my mortgage off. And when I paid my mortgage off, my house was valued. The bank had to value it. The house was valued at guess how much the house was worth when they paid my mortgage off? $330,000, praise God. No mortgage. I'm telling you, God's not trying to take from us. He wasn't trying to take my $3,300. He was trying to give me a house for $330,000. And because we had a paid-for house, guess what? It was a lot easier to give everything up and go into full-time ministry, etc., etc. So I'm telling you, God is the biggest giver. He can't help himself. He loves giving. And when Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 9, he talks about the generous giver, the, 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 um, the cheerful giver, you know, in 6 and 7 and 8. He talks about the, the, if you look at that cheerful giver, it means hilarious, hilarious. It's talking about hilarious giving. If you study that out, it's talking about crazy giving. It's talking about giving that's generous. It's giving that's a little bit crazy because in the natural, what are you doing giving that amount of money? Well, if it's God, guess what happened? God is going to have you reap generously, praise God. And God's trying to get more to us. He's not trying to take from us. So I'm telling you, God's will for you is to prosper. God's will for you is to have increase. It's not selfish when you increase. It's not selfish when you prosper, praise God. He wants you to see uh, yourself as he sees you, and that is someone who's prosperous, praise God. And then also, he wants you to put your hands to things. He's equipped you. He's given you the power to get wealth. So go out and put your hands to things. Start giving thanks for opportunities before you even see them. Start thanking God for promotions. Start thanking God for job opportunities. And then as you do that, praise God, the works of your hands are going to be blessed. Why? Because you're giving. When you give, you activate that blessing. You activate that commanded blessing. We pull scriptures out sometimes, like Philippians 4.19. Well, God's going to supply all my needs. Why am I broke? 
Well, Paul wrote that to people who are giving and trusting God. Yeah. If you're not trusting God, God's not going to intervene without your permission. Yeah. So when we give, we give God permission, praise God, to increase us. Good. Amen. I want to change you today. If there's anyone here that feels like they, they, they've realized, you know what? I've just missed it in this area. Now, here's what you don't do. Don't go and back pay unless, you really, unless God tells you to. Don't go and back pay. Make a commitment today and say, you know what? I haven't been trusting God in my finances. And it doesn't matter what it is. See, the neat thing is God set it up so that everyone can trust him with their provision. Everyone. It doesn't matter if you've got $5 or $500,000. In fact, if you've got $500,000 in the bank right now, I feel sorry for you because you have to give more to be generous. Sorry. <laughs> you've got $5, it's easier. Well, there's my $5. I gave everything. So <laughs> people get real quiet. Look. You've got some prosperous people here. It's awesome. <laughs> so, God has set out we can be generous. We can trust him with our finances, praise God. If you're one of these people that think, as I've been speaking, say, Lord, I've missed it. I haven't been trusting you with my finances. I haven't been believing you for increase. I haven't been believing you for prosperity. I've just been sat here and I haven't been doing my part. I haven't been activating my faith. If that's you today, I want you to stand. I'm going to pray for you. So if you feel like, Lord, I just haven't activated my faith in this area. I haven't, I haven't believed your promises. Uh, stand up and I'm going to pray for you. Yeah, every eye is looking. They're going to see you. So don't be embarrassed. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna break some things here. I believe increase. I don't know how this works, but I know that when I preach this way and pray this way, things change. And we get testimonies afterwards of job opportunities and inheritances. And usually by Monday morning, I'll have emails about people getting inheritances or things happening, breaking through, things happening that they weren't expecting, back taxes. I got one the other day. They said they gave in an offering. And the next day, their boss came up to him and gave them this big bonus. And, they, and he said, what's this bonus for? And the boss said, he's a heathen boss, not a Christian. He said, I don't know. He said, I couldn't sleep last night. And I just had to give you this money. He said, is it legitimate? He said, it's perfectly legitimate. He said, I'll receive it then, praise God. <laughs> he ran and gave the church a tithe, praise God. So let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you that your will for us is prosperity. I thank you, Lord, your will for us is to increase. I thank you, Lord, you only have good for us. Lord, I thank you, you've paid the price for our provision. And Lord, we're believing for extra. We're believing for more than enough because we want to establish your covenant. We want to, we want to spread your kingdom, Lord. We want to show the world how much you love them. Lord, we want to impact church to, to grow and to affect this town and this state and this country and the world, Lord. We, I, I thank you, Lord, for prosperity coming to this church, and that's coming through the individuals in this church. I pray for, for individual families to prosper. Like they never, I pray for boundaries to be broken, for, for glass ceilings, if you like, to be broken through. There's people here that are already thinking, I've never had X amount of money. And I'm saying the Lord's saying, watch out. You trust me and I'll give you X amount of money because I know your heart. I know what you want to do with that and you want to use it for good. There's people here that say, my family have never had that type of job or that type of opportunity. You're the family of God now. It's limitless. God's resources for you are limitless. God's resources and opportunities for you are limitless. Are we going to trust him today? Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for new opportunities. We thank you, Lord, for promotions. We thank you, Lord, for supernatural debt release. Lord, we thank you as we trust you with our finances, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I'm, I'm saying this by the Spirit. So I believe there's people here that have, they, haven't, they haven't been trusting God in their finances in their church. And I pray right now, Lord, I thank you, Lord. There's no condemnation. There's always forgiveness, 100%. But I thank you, Lord. People are starting to trust you today. And they're going to take 10% and start giving to the church. And I thank you, Lord, just like Paul said, not that we seek the gift, we seek the fruit that abounds our account. I thank you as they take that money, that portion, and give it to the church. I thank you, Lord, that 90% is going to increase, and they're going to have so much money, they're going to think, this is the best thing I ever did. Why did I wait so long to do it? 
The Lord says, try me in this. I'm going to open up the windows of heaven. I'm going to pour out a blessing so big. God's trying to get money to you. He's trying to get resources to you. So I thank you. If that's you, just take that step of faith. Say, Lord, I, I, I repent. And from now on, Lord, I'm going to trust you with my finances. And I'm going to start sowing into this church. I'm going to start sowing faithfully into this church. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the testimonies that the people are going to receive from you, Lord. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord. You, your will for us is to prosper. We thank you, Lord. You have great plans for us. And Lord, we receive those plans. And we accept it, Lord. And we sign up for the program, Lord. We say, use us. Use us to bring finances into the kingdom. There's people here who are called to bring finances into the kingdom, to fund ministries and to fund churches and to fund buildings. And, and you've got this call of God on your life. And God is pleased with you when you go in business. I see someone here, you are, I want to say the word savage, like you are so good at business. You are like, people have, people have, people have accused you of being, you know, all about the money, but you're not. You've got the heart to give and God has given you an ability to do business supernaturally. Like you do business and you see deals happen and you do things. Stop beating yourself up. Start walking in that. That's God's gift in your life. God has gifted you in that area. You're a king. And start, keep, step up as a king and keep doing that because that's, that's what the Lord's will for you. There's one person here that I believe that's for. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for today. I thank you, Lord, this is a great day. I thank you, Lord, this is, the, this is the day where things change. And, Lord, we draw a line in the sand and we say, we're done with poverty. We're done with lack. We're done with not enough. We're done with debt, Lord. Lord, we want an abundance. We want, we want prosperity. We want increase. Lord, we want everything you've supplied for us, Lord. We want everything you've given for us. Lord, we want to receive it and we want to walk in it. And I thank you, Lord, right now in Jesus' name. We receive it, Lord. We receive your prosperity. Lord, we choose to see ourselves as you see us. We choose to see ourselves prosperous and not see ourselves poor anymore. Lord, we, we don't, we don't uh, relate to, to lack anymore. We don't relate to poverty, Lord. Give us a hatred for poverty, just like a hatred for sin or a hatred for sickness. Give us a hatred for poverty in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for increase. Thank you for this church. Thank you, Lord, for, for money coming through this church. I thank you, Lord, for new ministries being birthed. I thank you. I'm not even sure what happens in this church, but I thank you, Lord, for feeding the hungry. I thank you, Lord, for helping housing people. I thank you, Lord, for, for, for children being looked after. I thank you, Lord, for single parents being looked after. I thank you. I see this church is like a lighthouse in this town and people are going to come to you and they're going to receive their natural needs but more importantly they're going to receive their spiritual needs and people are going to come here and they're going to be attracted by the goodness of God and they're not going to know what it is at first. It's going to come in material ways but when they get here they're going to get the, the, the spirit of God. They're going to get the love of God impact them and I thank you Lord they're going to leave with, the, with everything. They're going to leave with salvation in every area. I thank you Lord. Thank you Lord for, for hundreds of people. I see hundreds of people relating to this church. The lost, Lord, we call the lost in in Jesus' name. We call the lost in in Jesus' name. Help us be a lighthouse of this town in Jesus' name. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Let me give Jesus a hand. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. We love you. Hey, thanks for listening. If you live in the central Alberta region of Canada, we would love to have you come out and check out one of our weekend messages. For more info on all of our directions, service times, and children's programs, visit our website at impactlife.ca. That's impactlife.ca.